Welcome to the Operation Restored Warrior Podcast. We are first of all veterans helping veterans find healing and restoration through the power of Jesus. Join us as we share stories of what Jesus is doing for our nation's warriors, as we share tools and resources to empower you to a deeper relationship with Jesus, and as we introduce you to our amazing partners that are advancing the kingdom of God across the globe. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Operation Restored Warrior podcast. I'm your host, David Boddy. My guest today spent 10 years in the Marine Corps as a machine gunner and as an infantry unit leader. He was awarded two Purple Hearts. He received the Navy Commendation Medal for Valor and the Marine Corps Achievement Medal for Valor. Ultimately, he ended up medically retiring due to wounds from combat. And then he, he got into JROTC, which he's been in now for 12 years. After his drop zone, he started pursuing a Bachelor of Science in Religion with an uh, emphasis on evangelism, and he's now working on a Master's of Divinity in Pastoral Counseling. Uh, we really grew up in the team together. We spent a lot of time at Drop Zones together. It's just a good, good friend of mine. Daniel Strong, welcome to the show. What's going on, brother man? <laughs> good Looking good you. over there in Montana. <laughs> yeah, man. Go from, uh, you know cleaning up trash in the Marine Corps to uh, studying books and following Jesus. It's like two spectrums. It's been amazing. An amazing journey, man. Looking forward to this conversation with you. Absolutely. Love it. You do. You have an incredible story from, from growing up without, without church in your life at all to uh, Marine Corps, everything you experienced there. And then now, now here you are on the cusp of a master's degree uh, in ministry. I mean, I just, I just think it's a great example of, you never really know what adventure Jesus is going to take you on. <laughs> no, it, it's crazy how Jesus can do it, in a, you know, intervention in your life mm. and completely change the trajectory where you think you may be going, <laughs> uh, going from, you know, just uh, boozing and living your life the way you think the military culture is to uh, realizing that that's not where you get your validation from mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, you know, just completely change your worldview uh, with the spiritual warfare that goes on and all the things that we discovered when we all went through our drop yeah. zone. And then obviously now being facilitator, you're like on the, I feel like uh, a front row seat of, uh, of the big battle map of what's going on in the world, the reality, the real intel of what's going on. So it's, it's, a, it's been a, a, an amazing last few years of my life. So it's awesome. Yeah. I, and it all started at Operation Restored Warrior. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So I guess just to start with, tell us a little bit about how you grew up and what led you to the Marine Corps. Yeah, so um, I was born in Naharia, Israel. Uh, my mom's a British citizen. My dad's uh, was an, uh, he is an American Marine. Uh, met my mom overseas. Uh, grew up uh, in Northern Virginia. And lot a lot of uh, trauma really started to uh, hit me probably around uh, when I was in kindergarten. A lot of sexual uh, and physical abuse outside my house. Uh, you know, the classic tale of, you know, don't don't talk to the guy who's in the white van with candy. Well, mm -hmm. this was like a high school kid with candy type of, uh, environment. And that went on for years uh, between me and even my sister. 
And uh, then probably around middle school is when my parents really started to, their relationship started to fall apart and my parents were divorced. Uh, then you had all that kind of crazy abandonment, uh, uh, drugs, alcohol, the whole nine yards was introduced. To, and besides the sexual physical trauma I had as a kid, just the, the lack of uh, structure, the lack of uh, a parental supervision, good kind of parental supervision, really uh, put me in a tailspin in high school to where I needed some sort of structure. Mm-hmm. And kind of like how I got to my drop zone, uh, you know, there was a, I was in a JROTC program when I was in high school. And uh, the instructors there and my guidance counselor really helped me get out of that, uh, that living situation between, I wasn't going to amount to much. So I actually graduated high school early at 17 to get into the Marine Corps. And uh, which I graduated high school in 2000, went to boot camp in July of 2000, which is coming up here almost 22 years ago. <laughs> and joined as an infantryman. Uh, wasn't Because of the, the traumas that I had as a young kid, I had a hard time focusing in school. And so my studying and, and, and comprehension uh, was not that strong. Actually, the Marine Corps actually taught me how to study because mm-hmm. you had to learn things at a particular time frame and you had to get 80 percent or better. So but when I did take the ASVAB, my score wasn't as high as it could be uh, at 17. So my options were very it was cook or grunt. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to spend time in the kitchen because at the time I actually worked in a restaurant as a busboy at Ruby Tuesdays. So good shout out to them. Mm. And I working in the restaurant industry, I was like, yeah, I'm not, not going to be a cook. So I actually joined the infantry, not understanding what the infantry was. So I've had recruit training and my, all my rack mates, you know, had different jobs. One guy was like a generator operator, a truck driver, mechanic, all this. And I was sitting there going, Hey, Cause I don't know if you know, but the Marine Corps, all Marines go to the same recruit training, right. regardless of MOS. Once you graduate boot camp, then you go to your MOS specific schools. So, but then I started to understand there was a lot more going on besides just being an infantryman. And then when I started, cause my drill instructors, two of them were infantry. So they were like, yeah, this is what you do. And I'm like, yeah, I, I want to work on a truck or I want to do what that guy's doing. Cause that sounds way more fun than uh, sleeping in the dirt and doing all those <laughs> kinds of stuff. So. Not so on the, the funniest, uh, it was towards the end of recruit training. And at this point, um, I haven't quite yet hit the crucible where I've earned the title Marine, but we're getting ready to, to do that. And we're doing a lot more administrative stuff. And I remember going up to my drill instructor and, you know, asking him, how do I get a lap move? Because he discussed that. And he laughed because the only way the Marine Corps does that is if your job is completely closed out, like, you know, they're there's no, like you can move because there's no upward mobility. Then he laughed. He goes, that will never happen (laughs) in the infantry. There's always going to be a spot. So I'm like, and then he kind of talked me off the edge a little bit and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, you go to the school of infantry and you realize that, okay, it's not that bad, but definitely not the lifestyle I thought I was going to be living when I joined the Marine Corps, but I actually found it really uh, fulfilling. And I, and I actually started to really enjoy Mm -hmm. it. So. Was there a piece of the the fighting and the the battle that you didn't realize that you would enjoy until you got into it? 
Yeah, that's um, that's a really good point. So it was it was that like feeling like you're a badass. Okay, once you get you're an infantryman, so you know once you get into the infantry, you hype each other up. It's like yeah, we're we are the entire reason the Army of the Marine Corps exists. So that you do get that kind of like you know arrogance about yourself, and you're not you don't become very humble. <laughs> But when you're training and when you're doing it, 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 it's that adrenaline rush. It's like, man, this is this is awesome. We're kicking down doors. We're setting up sport by fire positions and th- that want and desire to go to war. It, it definitely uh, gets ingrained in you. I wouldn't call it like brainwashing, but I think any person that trains hard, works hard and you understand what your purpose is, like you want to go do mm-hmm. it. So. And you do, you seek conflict, you seek mm-hmm. battle. And, and that, that part has never left me either. Like, you know, it just went from the kinetic on the battlefield to doing it in a different way with Upper Storm Store Ward. So, yeah, it definitely after 9 11, um, I remember watching, I was in Okinawa on a UDP, a unit, uh, a unit deployment to Okinawa. And I was, it was midnight there and the Twin Towers were falling. Mm. And my platoon, my company actually, we're all in the rec room at Camp Schwab and we're watching the Twin Towers fall. And most of us were actually excited because this was going to be it. All right, we're going to war. We're going to avenge that. And it was, it was that excitement to get to, to go avenge those guys, you know, the, uh, the Twin yeah. Towers, the death and destruction, like legitimate enemy just did this. And yeah, I wanted, I wanted to take the fight to the enemy. I wanted to go over there and, and and annihilate. Yeah. It's interesting too, in your story, a lot of times you would have probably felt helpless. You may not have felt like you had, um, what it took to fight in a sense. And so I can imagine the Marine Corps sort of awakened this warrior heart that's in you to the fact that, ah, actually I, I can do this. So, you know, it's that cliche statement, like, you know, I, 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 my, my training kicked in. Mm -hmm. But to your point, all that abandonment, the uh, the innocence that was taken away from me as a child, uh, like really the emotional impact. My I would say the uh, my PTSD that I had uh, because Jesus healed that uh, was was that abandonment feeling, that helplessness that I couldn't fight back. And there was um, uh, um did multiple combat deployments to Iraq, but uh, it was my first deployment in OIF-1 where uh, I was a vehicle commander and a mobile assault platoon. It was a cap platoon back then, but uh, we're in Nazaria and we had to go back in to rescue this squad of Marines that was uh, left behind when their track got hit. And it was that helplessness and that fear mm. of that. I, I can't, I can't do this. This I, I'm not going to be able um the hell I can't even describe it in words. It was just this this cloud that just enveloped me of of anxiety, fear uh, that really took me out of the fight for uh, I would say a good few hours after the firefight because that same uh, emotions that I felt when I was a kid, you know, getting raped and, and beaten, watching that happen to somebody else and not being not having the power to be able to to, to save myself save my, you know the people that were involved mm-hmm. so that same 
feelings that I felt seeing Marines get wounded or killed or, or, or not being able to suppress a target um, right off the bat like I should have as a machine gunner, it brought all that mm. back. So I, when I came back from that deployment, and now it was a scaffolding effect. Now I had the trauma as a kid. Now I'm having a trauma as an adult, mm. and, and, and I don't know how to function. Mm -hmm. And then you add that on to multiple combat deployments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, it was my wife will tell you right now, when I came back from that first deployment, yeah, I was not the same yeah. guy. And it, and it, and it, and it's cliche, but I can, you know, look at it now and be like, Oh, that was because that all that emotion that I suppressed as a kid now came back up to the surface. But now I got all this trauma that I had as an adult when I just went through in combat. Now I'm trying to shove all that stuff back down and it's just not, it's not mm -hmm. happening. And so the enemy just came at me, you know, I'm worthless. You know, you, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. You couldn't help them that you're the reason this is all happening. Mm -hmm. And, and that, and, and so as I progressed in the Marine Corps, my death wish became more prevalent, mm -hmm. which in, in the infantry, in the Marine Corps, putting yourself in harm's way and doing the things, you know, that's, that's good combat leadership. So I got rewarded for that. I mean, so in six years, I made um, staff sergeant E6 was combat meritoriously promoted. Yeah. And it, and it really was about selfish desire, had nothing to do with wanting to be a really good combat leader as much as it had to do with, I wanted to put myself in every possible scenario that would get me killed. Mm. Oh, and it never worked. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, so it, you can see the enemy and how you, even if the trauma is different, the moments of wounding is is different. He'll come at us with this same message throughout our life, yeah. just trying to keep us pinned down under the weight of, you know, you're not strong enough. It's, it's your fault. That's a huge one. Just to, yeah, to start taking that on. And then it begins to bleed into everything else you try to do in your life, relationships, you know, your own just ability to, to like will to live, like you're saying. And it's easy in the military to kind of mask that death wish because it's like, it can come across as if we're super courageous and, you know, we're such a hero, like I'm going to die a hero's death, but there's something broken that we're suppressing in there. That's just saying, I don't know what to do with any of this. And it's, it's a no. place to be. Seriously, dude, you're right on, man. Like, and then my last deployment, I get wounded and it was like a, a, a not even a, a contact patrol. We were doing an area of familiarization, Patrol, we went down this road that no one's traveled on in years, right outside the Haditha Dam. I'm lead Vic and I run over an IED. Mm. And then from there, I spent two years in the hospital. And just like you said, now it went from, you know, you're worthless and I'm trying to get out of, you know, like you said, the pose, the mask that I was wearing was to be this heroic, badass Marine. Mm. The reality was I was just a broken guy that just didn't want to be here anymore. And uh, so now I get wounded. And I'm in the hospital for two years and I get medically retired from the Marine Corps. So I went from being this pose of a badass Marine that's physically fit and do all the things. Now I'm just a broken mm. Marine with no identity because my identity had been in that pose that I had for so many years of being a badass. And now I'm not. And now the enemy's coming at me. You, 
you're, you're the pain that you're feeling is because you deserve it. Like you, you knew not to go down that road, but you chose to do it anyway. Like, you know, just completely the lies of the message of the wound that stem back from that little kid that just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And then, so I, I get medically retired in 2010 and I, I do a quick stint working in a factory, which it, I'm, it was a blessing because like I get recruited out of the hospital to go to, uh, to live in New Hampshire, which I, my wife and I were from Virginia and we're living in San Diego. And then we go from San Diego to the Northeast, which is uh, New England, which was a completely culture shock for my whole family. And so I, I work in a factory for nine, a little less than nine months. And it was the worst transition in the world. I went from, again, being a part of a really um, amazing organization. My personal opinion, uh, I, you know, there are every organization has its flaws, but I the the Marine Corps, I loved it. It was my home. And I went from that to working in a factory that built things for the military as a defense contracting company. And their, their message was serve the warfighter. But the reality was, is that they were just civilians trying to build circuit cards. And now I'm a supervisor and it was a, a miserable existence. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting at my computer, my, in this cube farm, right. It was almost like off. It was office space. That's how I felt that, that movie <laughs> actually is a real uh, depiction of what it's like to work in a cube farm. So I'm Googling the Marine Corps and JRTC pops up and, I'm like, that's not even what I was looking for, but somehow that popped up on the computer and there was a vacancy uh, at a high school that was about an hour away from where I was working at. Mm. So something in me was like, hey, give him a call, see what's up. So the next day I call and I talked to the, uh, the master gunnery sergeant that was there and long story short, I got an interview. I met the guy uh, who was running the program, Major uh, Petrozello, and I headed off with him and it was like, here I went from a complete isolation, no identity, drinking all the time, working. It was just a nightmare of an existence. Completely, uh, you know, not involved in my wife or my kids. And then I, and then I go and meet major P and I get that identity back. He calls me by my rank. It's like, Hey, this is, this is great. So the kind of that pose comes back, Sure, you know, this mask, that I had in the military comes back now because I'm back in the character mindset. And I, I do, I start becoming a JRTC instructor, but major P is a Christian and a, a, a good, a phenomenal disciple of Jesus. I am not. <laughs> so this whole time I'm being mentored and, and the Holy spirit's working and guiding mm -hmm. and I have no idea, but I get, I'm, you know, for those who've been through a drop zone, I'm getting fathered by God, by this guy. And I didn't even know it at the time, you know, he's, he's well, you know, you Let's talk. Yeah, I think the answer is right here. And he pulled out his Bible or the word. And I'm like, OK, but I got into mm -hmm. it. Long fast forward a little bit. Um, my my wounds start to really affect my body to the, to this day. I still have a lot of issues from my injuries, but um, the depression starts to kick in and Major P retires from doing JROTC. Mm. So now I'm at a crossroad, okay, with my abandonment wounds and everything like that. Major P needs to retire. Um, you know, at this point, he's got like 40 some odd years in uniform. And this guy's been like my my 
besides my wife and my kids outside of that, this, this great father figure, Marine mentor. And I felt like, man, he's leaving my body hurts. I, I just, I'm fed up. And I just, all that stuff, that, that trauma and, and the attacks from the enemy, mm. man, I was ready to check out. And I was, I had a plan. Mm. Then I had a buddy of mine who went in, in a November drop zone. And this guy was my platoon sergeant in OIF-1. So this guy, a complete warrior's warrior. Everything about him was what you would think of a United States Marine, in particular a combat Marine. Recon, Marsoc guy, just a f- phenomenal human being. And what I mean by that, at the, what I thought of him at the time was a phenomenal human being, but it was all debauchery. It was, you know, drink a fifth of vodka. Let's get on our Harleys and ride a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> that kind of, that's what, that's what we do. You know, that's what Marines do. But um, all of a sudden, like he, he starts talking about going to this drop zone on social media and I'm like, Oh, okay. And then he gets back and the things that he's saying on social media I'm like, like all dads, I'm sitting in the toilet on Facebook, <laughs> scrolling through, and he's talking about um, this complete transformation mm-hmm. and the things that he was saying, it, it did something inside my heart. And it was like, I really need to reach out to mm-hmm. him. And I did. And immediately he, he calls me and, and he's like, do you believe in God? And I'm like, well, I think so. Like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. You need to go. And so that's the end of November. We're right to go. We're right about to go into Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And as a teacher, I get two weeks off for Christmas. So I'm already like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to do Christmas with my mm-hmm. family. I'm checking out. And so the intervention comes in is that uh, uh, the gentleman that was in charge of getting uh, uh, guys into drop zones calls me immediately as well. Cause I, the guy, uh, a buddy tells me, get on. The, their website, fill out the application and you'll hear something. I'm like, okay, I, I did it at night. First thing in the morning, I get a call. Hey, look, I just, I, I spoke to your buddy. Um, there's been a drop to this next drop zone in December. Can you go? I'm like, uh, all right, let me go. I asked my, uh, my new senior instructor, Lieutenant Colonel Williams. Hey, hey, sir. Um, you mind if I take a week off before Christmas, you know, I'm going to go to this thing. And he's a Christian, <laughs> like solid Christian dude, like a, a leader at his church, you know, and he's like, well, what's this thing you're going to? I'm like, it's something about God or Jesus he goes, yeah, you need to go. <laughs> it's like, whatever it takes, you got to go. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I guess this is too easy. I'm going to go. So I get back to the guy and I'm like, yeah, you know, sign me up. And so, and it's kind of funny because you, there's no information. So I'm like trying to Google, I'm Googling ORW. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I want an itinerary. I want to know all all the things about it. And it's like, you know, there's nothing. So I take a leap of faith and I go out and it was the greatest adventure kickoff for an adventure of my Mm -hmm. life. I get there and immediately, you know, the, all the facilitators and Paul was there, our founder. And it was like, these guys seem like genuine dudes. Like I haven't been around genuine guys 
besides Lieutenant Colonel Williams and Major Petrozello in forever. So it was like, man, this is fantastic. And they start talking about Jesus. And I'm like, I've never heard Jesus talked about like this before. I'm starting to understand uh, the bigger picture, the larger story, my pose that I've been living with, you know, all these things start clicking and I want to know more. And it was like a, a like this sponge. And I keep, you know, Paul talks about it, uh, when I see him, you know, it's like, I just kept asking questions after questions after questions because it felt right. Mm. It, there was something in me that was like, this is real. And, and, and it really uh, resonated with me. I was like, this is fantastic. Like I wanted to know so much. So by the end of my drop zone, I, um, Jordan, who he, uh, was my facilitator, you know, he asked me right before um, my healing prayer. And he was like, you know, are you willing to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior before we go through with this? And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Mm. I'm ready. So I really committed myself at my healing prayer to, to be a disciple of Jesus. And mm. uh, when I got back, you know, it was like a domino effect of all the things that started to drastically change in my household to the point where my wife, who we were both non-believers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we my wife in particular is more spiritual, has been more spiritual and had a bit deeper understanding of that stuff, but we were not Christians. Mm-hmm. So um, even my wife has come to Jesus and been baptized and uh, she's also an alumni and I, and the, and the change in my kids' mm-hmm. lives, that part has been the bit, the greatest victory. Mm-hmm. The relationship that I actually have with my kids, um, understanding what our father's supposed to be like, understanding the power of prayer, um, they definitely put me on, like we talked about at the beginning of this, this scholastic journey that I've been on of, you know, one, getting my bachelor's. And part of my story was just because uh, of the trauma, I, I just couldn't concentrate in school. So my, my whole public education journey was, was, was turbulent, mm-hmm. you know, just was not what you would consider a smart kid. It was like, I was in a lot of special needs things, you know, I had to be held back in kindergarten you know, cause I, I didn't figure out the colors, but now as a Marine, I understand them and I eat the crayons. So <laughs> I go by flavors. <laughs> I go by flavors, but no, but on a serious note, yeah. you know, it really, I graduated uh, with honors in college and I'm doing really well in my master's program. And, and it's not really any, I, I don't want the titles or anything. It was like, what is the best way I can um, really get into the word, really understand ministry how can I be a better facilitator? Mm-hmm. How can I help different guys that are going to come back or who are going to come through RW? Cause it's a microcosm of our society. Mm-hmm. It's just the military is. So how can I communicate? Yeah. better? You know, so the, a lot of the, a lot of the classes and everything I'm taking within the divinity program is just how to be a, a, a facilitator mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know, to be more dangerous in the kingdom because it's such an honor to be part of the team. And you know, uh, you, Jordan, Tim, all got uh, pastoral backgrounds in Bible college and stuff. So just being around you guys, to be a good facilitator, you got just like in the military, you got to train. You, you, It's not like, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's like, no, you got to study. You got to understand different people. You got to understand um, the warfare in which we find ourselves in. And ORW really does provide a um, as a facilitator rewards us really to becoming more mm-hmm. dangerous in the kingdom. And then that reward is just being able to come back every, every drop zone and see the victory mm-hmm. every time in those guys. So it's like going from not 
understanding who God was and to jumping into ministry only to, to help set guys mm-hmm. free. You know, you know, Jesus does it, but we have to be that light. Mm-hmm. We have to be that genuine God love in order for these guys to be able to break down those barriers and crack their hearts for Jesus. Otherwise, you know, it, it won't happen. So, yeah. you know, the senior leadership team and, and, and Paul, you know, they tell us, you know, you just can't, you can't rest. You got to keep, keep getting dangerous. And so that's why I, I went back to college mm-hmm. and, and got my degrees in that only because just to understand, because mm-hmm. we do, we have chaplains come through. Yeah. So, and so if a chaplain comes through, you know, he's obviously the duty expert on everything on religion and Jesus. And, you know, if you're not, if you don't, I'll use an army term, if you don't have that tab, is he going to listen to you? Right. And just to have the ability to answer questions and things, it's like you, yep. you can, there is a value to having knowledge. Obviously the big thing that, that is so powerful of ORW is the experience. We experience Jesus in a way that most people haven't. But that yep. being said, it is important to have knowledge and wisdom and know the word and, and understand theology so that you can have, um, as Paul said to Timothy, you know, study to show yourself approved, a workman who knows, like, you know, and you have answers when people yeah. are asking questions. What I love about your story too, is that you, you were always so mission driven. You were driven, driven, driven for a mission for battle. And all the while, you know, your family, you struggled to connect with your family because your emotions yeah. literally, and there's a lot of guys maybe even listening to this right now that can resonate with where you just shut them down. You have to shut them down. That's the only way you can survive and cope with the things you, whether it was in your childhood, um, in combat, you name it. But that's one of the things we'll do as men is shut down the emotions, shut off our heart so that we can survive. And to see you, you go and you have this incredible experience with Jesus and you had no clue about Jesus at all walking in Mm -hmm. and you walk out of there and suddenly like you're feeling again, you're able to engage your heart, which means now suddenly you can engage your family. You can engage your kids, engage your wife. You can't engage in relationships if you're, if your heart's shut off. And so what a powerful story of like, look at this. Now you're engaging your family. You and your wife ha- are able to like dive into your relationship and, and, and love Jesus together. And then you have, you didn't lose your mission. You didn't lose the battle in no. your life. In fa- if anything, you've got a a bigger, um, much more impactful battle. It's an eternal battle that you're able to engage in. And that's awesome. No, man. Beautifully said. When you get your heart restored, it's like a cleaning off your windshield. I don't know how to describe it. You're able to see more clearly. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not just, it's a continuation. It's like working out. You got to maintain it. You got to get dangerous. You got to stay in the word. It, it, you know, it, it's not just a one-stop shop. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a great ORW for me was a foundational shift that changed the course of my life. Mm-hmm. Just like you said, it, I, I'm now ready to receive. I'm ready to understand. And I'm able to engage with that heart, mm-hmm. understanding who my father is, yeah. who Jesus is. And that power of that Holy Spirit, and that's the truth. Mm-hmm. Is that that I'm a, I'm a father, uh, I'm a brother to Jesus, I'm a son to our heavenly Father, and I'm a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. And I have to remind myself that daily. 
because the enemy is not just going to, oh, he got his heart restored. That's fantastic. You know, he's going to come at me in so many different Mm -hmm. ways. And, and that's why I love being on the team because, you know, we're able to support each other and, and we're in this real fight, this real war, which is the main war. Everything else is like sub wars compared to the main fight. Because if you look at all history and all the warfare, it repeats itself because it's the same people. It's the same enemies yes. pulling different strings. And when you understand that and you understand the Bible is a, is it's the playbook on how to defeat the enemy and maintain that fight. Mm-hmm. And and that is, we say it at the drop zones. It's a love story and it, and it's a strategy that keeps you free. Yeah. And that's the key. It's that freedom, mm-hmm. freedom to engage my family the way I want to not feeling ashamed or embarrassed coming at people just to, this is me. I don't need your validation. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to like me. I, I'm, I got Jesus and I got fellow warriors that are going to validate me. I don't need to have the best truck. I don't need to be flashy with all the stuff. I, a matter of fact, I want to share this with you because I feel so blessed to have these yeah. things. That's the shift in my life because of that drop zone that happened in 2017. Man. That's awesome. It's been, been a crazy <laughs> ride, but it, I'm glad I feel blessed and honored to be part of yeah. it. Yeah. So, so awesome to, to hear your story. Like, Again, I love I love getting to hear bits and pieces of your story. I feel like every time I hear a story, there's a little little something else that hits me too. And uh, just again, really appreciate your time. We're we're up against time now, but definitely want to continue yeah, to bring you on moving forward. I I think um, some of the stuff that you've been learning in school and and stuff. There's a lot of things that you can share that are very relevant to our audience. So more to come on that. Um, Absolutely, brother. But for our audience, thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, If you have any questions, comments, um, you are an alum and you think, hey, I've got a story I'd love to share, email us, podcast at operationrestoredwarrior.org. You can reach out. We'll have a conversation, whether it's just letting us know. We really do want to hear, like, what what do you think of the episodes? What's impacting you? Or maybe you have some ideas. Hey, I'd love to hear you guys talk about this. Let us know. Podcast at Operation restoredwarrior.org. Make sure you're subscribed to us on your favorite platform and make sure you got your notifications turned on so that you don't miss any episodes moving forward. Uh, And just a reminder, we have a video podcast, video version of this on YouTube and Spotify. Now, if you pull up the little menu there where you actually see it, you'll see the video. So you can watch us and see what we all look like and, and all that good stuff. And then of course, if you're enjoying the show, please leave a rating and review. That goes a long way in raising our visibility on any of the platforms. So Daniel, thank you again for your time. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. Spiritually dangerous times call for spiritually dangerous men and women. So until next time, stay dangerous. Well, thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Operation Restored Warrior podcast. I want to remind you to go check out our website at www.operationrestoredwarrior.org. When you get to the home page, you're going to see two tabs. One says, I'm a veteran. That's where you want to click if you want to apply to attend one of our life-changing drop zones. The other tab says support. And this is where if you believe in the mission of ORW and you want to continue to see lives changed by Jesus, 
click here and you'll find ways to partner with us as we continue this mission. Thanks again. And until next time, stay dangerous.